Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of Raking Coals. I'm one of your hosts, Cody Haggard, and with me, as always, is Josh Fauzi. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Josh? I am doing well. I'm doing well. So we um, today we got an episode where we're actually going to be talking about something that I went through in life. We're going to be talking about bivocational ministry and Josh has formulated a few questions on the topic of bivocational ministry, and we'll we'll just begin talking about it. And we'll have a discussion about it here, and just see where see where this goes. This might be an opportunity for me to be somewhat uh, transparent on the internet, which I've never really done before. I'm not really uh, familiar with you know putting my story out there on the internet, but this will be fun, and, and we'll see where it goes. So hopefully, you guys enjoy this, and you can learn something from it. And here we go. I will say, and I want to point out that literally, probably three minutes ago, Cody said he wasn't afraid of being on the internet. So, well, it's <laughs> that we, was before I hit record, right? <laughs> what happens before you hit record doesn't actually happen. What are we talking about? No, uh, so this week's kind of interesting because we're talking a lot about you today, and. I know. It's I mean, intimidating. ASD is a little bit about you and your love for a certain series. Yeah, I'm um, excited about that. <laughs> so, but, but then the, t- the 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 roles have switched a little bit with this episode because I'm asking the questions. It's yeah, great. Yeah. I love Josh it. Josh is guiding the conversation <laughs> today. So really, so just to define it, how would you define bivocational ministry? What does it mean to be a bivocational minister? So bivocational ministry, as it's mostly defined, is the church pays a portion of a pastor's salary, or they pay him like a part-time salary, but they don't have the the resources available in order to pay a pastor a full-time salary. And I'm I'm an assistant pastor. I'm a youth pastor, so I'm not a full-time pastor there uh, at Pathway. But, uh, and then, so the pastor then would have to go outside of the church for, for a majority of his income or half of his income. However, the, um, the ratio lies. So, so yeah, I work outside of the church. I actually work full time outside of the church in manufacturing to get most of my income. And I work part time within the church to get a, a smaller portion of, of my income. Now, now, going into ministry, and when you were in the middle of of your undergrad at Moody, did you ever think that you were going to be a bivocational pastor? No. No? No, I did not. What was the plan originally? The plan, well, here's the plan. And it's going to be a silly plan, but this was the plan as an 18-year-old, right? You okay. go into, I went to, into Bible college at age 18, 10 years ago. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's been 10 years. Anyway... Um, went in thinking I was going to go through, I was going to go to Moody Bible Institute. I was going to uh, get my Bible education. Basically, I was just going through the motions. I was ready for this thing. I was going to be able to share the, the gospel, preach the message, teach people, disciple individuals, and it was going to go really well. And I was going to be a pastor and probably start off as a youth pastor for a few years and then get my own church, probably start my own ministry. And it was just going to be, it was going to be successful. It was going to be huge because I had a vision for the future of the church and what I thought it should be. And and the reality is I still have a lot of the same vision and hopes for the church. But as time went by, as Bible college went by, I found out like, okay, the real world and the church and how it functions 
is a little bit more complex. In fact, I was making a lot of my ministry pursuits a lot about me. And as I focused those and made them a lot more about God, I think my opinion of what ministry looked like humbled a lot, which for in my opinion is a good thing. And so, but yeah, I thought I was going to be a pastor of a, a big church and have have big things. And, and I look back on it now and I think it's kind of silly, especially because like what we have going on now, and we won't go down this, this rabbit hole right now, but what we have going on in bigger churches, you referenced a bigger church mm-hmm. that's going through a big issue with a big time pastor. Uh, I'm kind of actually glad I don't have the responsibility of overseeing a church of lots and lots and lots of people because with with the bigger the flock, also the um, more dramatic the failures seem to be. So. Yes. Yeah. No. Um, so you went from a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior at Moody Bible with these plans um, and in that time you got married and I did. um you it was a good move so so from going cuz you got married what your junior year yeah i got yeah. married after my junior year okay so so going from the end of end of bible uh, end of moody okay and finishing up at moody how did you end up here like what was how did that journey look oh. cuz like right now, you just explained like you're a bivocational pastor where you work full time in manufacturing, you work part time at Pathway. Like, how did you go from the Bible student to present day, Cody? Yeah, and that is a that's a long story. So if you have questions along the way, please interrupt mm-hmm. and interject, and we'll we'll talk about it. But basically, what happened is after I was out of college, out of out of Bible college. I was very adamant that I had to put my degree to use immediately. I had to immediately become a a pastor in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's youth pastor, whether it was associate pastor, whether it was senior pastor, whatever it looked like, I had to do that because I was done with college now and this was my degree and I needed a job doing that thing. And that was what I was dead set on. And I will actually say that in in some ways, that perspective and that viewpoint um, made this road for me a little bit harder because okay. uh, my wife was not on the same page because she wasn't done with school yet. And then she made a huge sacrifice by saying, okay, fine, we'll do this. I'll trust you. I'll trust where you lead and I will finish up classes online. And I, I think I thank my wife, Hosanna, for that. That's a that's a huge sacrifice. And you know what? If I could go back in time as a husband, I really wish I, I would have been wise enough to see, you know, I should have made the sacrifice and done whatever I had to for us to stay in Chicago and for her to finish her degree and do that. But that's you know, hindsight, right? Is always twenty twenty. And so but what I had to do, because I had not finished my official internship, because after that junior year when I got married, I decided to get married instead of do my internship. So I had to come back here to Ohio where I needed to fulfill my internship. And I did that here at Pathway Church, actually the church I'm currently uh, working at in a, in a part-time capacity. And so I did my internship here. And as I was doing my internship, I was looking for full-time church opportunities and looking for a way in which I could do ministry full-time. 
And in, in the midst of all that, I would say that Hosanna and I got really, really lucky because we had the opportunity to go to a church that I think was pretty special out in New Jersey, a church called the First Baptist Church of Red Bank. So any anyone who's listening from Red Bank, um, thanks for tuning in and checking it out. And uh, we, had a, we had a great opportunity there. I got an opportunity to be what was called a family life director, and this was a full-time position. And so I was— What, what yeah. did that job entail? So, yeah, so that job, it entailed me overseeing the youth ministry initially with a plan to segue into children's ministry eventually because in order to come in and do it all at one time seemed like a big task, especially because there was someone already doing the children's ministry there, and they kind of wanted to transition out while I transitioned in. And it's it's it was a really good plan. I like the plan. I like the idea. I like the vision of the church. I thought that it was a a good thing. And this was a really special place. So I then had moved there, moved out to New Jersey. I was working full time in the church, and had really good experience. Had a good relationship with the pastor there. Had a good relationship with uh, the executive pastor, the lead pastor, all the staff there. Really enjoyed it. And life also was happening at the same time. Uh, Hosanna and I had one child. We had Leo first, and we found out that we were pregnant and with Leo and having a baby after we had moved. I think we were in our second week there when we found out that Leo was going to be born, maybe even first week. It was really soon after we moved. It was right after you left because I remember you left, and it it might have been two. It might have been longer than two weeks. It might have been three weeks. It was it was within the first month. I yeah. just remember you was, texted me going, "Hey, dude, we're gonna have a kid." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was really intense. It was really kind of scary, really, because I was, I was not envisioning being a dad. I I wanted to figure out my career. I wanted to figure out my marriage, my mm-hmm. life. I mean, Haas and I had only been married for a little over a year at the time we found out that she was going to be having a baby. And it was like, okay, this is this hits you fast. And that was a really cool opportunity. I'll definitely say this, that um, being on staff at a church and working what I would consider to be irregular hours, like, yes, we had office hours, but you just do so much work that's not on the clock and so much work that goes into ministry when the office is open or closed or when the church is open and closed. You're just kind of always, you're always ready, mm-hmm. right? And so because of that, I really I had the opportunity to really have the flexibility to go with my wife to all of her appointments and really be part of that experience with, with our first two. And it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. Uh, but... As time went by, uh, the the senior pastor had to resign. Uh, he he took a job out in uh, another um, on the Cincinnati area, Indiana, uh, I believe it was. He, he took a job in Indiana to be closer to his family, which was in Cincinnati, in order to help with his parents. Who you know their their health, they were older. It had become a big burden on his on his one brother who was taking care of him by himself. So he took the opportunity to move out. He really saw that as God's will in his life to to take the opportunity to move and help out with his family. And so that is when Haas and I began thinking of transition within our own life. Because at that point, we had also found out we were going to be having a second baby, right? When, you're, when your first is only six months old and you find out that you're having a second one, you're like, man, we, re- we really didn't have this whole child planning thing figured out to a science. And <laughs> so, so anyway, 
that that was happening. It was it was happening, and we began thinking about wanting to be closer to family and have family support. I began thinking about going back to school, getting my master's degree, and we were just thinking of all of our options and thinking of all of what we could do. To how old were you guys during all of this? Uh, let's see, I was um, twenty four. Okay. I think 24. So this was happening in, in 2014, 2015. So yeah, I would have been, I would have been 24, mm-hmm. uh, 23, 24. So not a, not a very old man. And I honestly wish I was making these more complicated decisions now, uh, being closer to 30, where I look <laughs> like we've just made some dumb choices, some uh, choices that were just impatient. I, I just... Mm-hmm. I. And I will say this, I'm very thankful for the circumstance that I'm in, but I think I acted a lot in impatience because I didn't necessarily see the benefit of the long game of mm-hmm. staying involved in a ministry as much as it was like, you know, this church needs to explode and get big and, and change and do all this stuff now. And I just wasn't, I wasn't really willing to be patient. I wasn't willing to see things through probably the way in which I should have. However, with the... Uh, the transition of leadership in the church, it was it was as sad as I was to see the pastor go because he and I were close. I really appreciated him. He was like my mentor. I looked up to him a bunch. He gave me tons of opportunities to do some pretty cool things. Uh, I actually had a lot of fun in the process of the interim process because that's when I got the opportunity to do some preaching and and teaching before the entire church and that's kind of when i found out that that's really where my gift set lies is is in preaching and and speaking and and teaching the bible in that fashion uh just a lot of people responded really positively and so then uh we my wife and i were still looking for opportunities to to get closer to family and then i made a phone call to uh pastor who i i work with now about you know just is there any potential that I could potentially come back to Strongsville, help out a pathway? Is there anything there? Because my parents kind of were like, hey, things are going really well at Pathway. You should you should give the pastor a call, see how it's going. So I did, and, and we kind of talked, and we talked about some things, and, and there was interest, and, and that's kind of where it began. There was interest, and that's when I began thinking like, okay, I could potentially have the opportunity to move back to my hometown, work in my home church that I grew up going to. And that's when you begin processing through a lot of that emotional attachment. Like, man, this is like, this is, okay, this isn't the exact dream I had as an 18-year-old, but hey, being able to come home and, and work as a pastor within your home church, that's a pretty cool thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was pretty special. And so, Josh, I'll just ask you, like, from that perspective, do you think that, um, just kind of knowing that, um, do you think that it would, what would, what would it take for you to be able to go back to your home church and serve if, if you were, were me, if that, if that makes any sense? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Like, I mean, honestly, if you were, if I was in your shoes and there was, a, a, a if they said that there was interest, I mean... Honestly, that would, I'd probably jump on that because you're, you're going back, not, not that you're going back home, but you're, you're going back to the community that not only brought you up, okay, and, and kind of molded you, but also uh, one that 
I mean, you want to you want to give back to. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's very much like here, like I have the opportunity to go back and and serve the people that served me to get me to where I am right now. And um, and I there's a lot of details that we don't need to go into. Yeah. But I mean, you're back. I'm so back. You, so you get back. You and Haas move back. Um, and then is that that's when you started this bivocational yeah. role. So one of the things about coming back were you can come back, but we don't have the resources to make you full time. And this is something that I knew coming in. And so what I began thinking through was, was I going to be able to do this all? Was I going to be able to do bivocational ministry, work outside of the church full time? And I was going to be starting seminary, doing graduate work, full not full time, but part time. With two young kids. With two young kids, right? The uh, Leo, my oldest was born. Ezra, my second, was not born yet. But so my thought process began to think. And remember, I'm 24 at the time. I'm 24 at the time. Now, this is like four years four ago. years ago, almost five years ago. And this is how I thought about it. I was like, I've got plenty of time to do what I've got to do on a weekly basis now. I could definitely confine how I do things and be able to juggle all of this. It was not as easy as I thought it was going to be. That is what I will start by saying, is that bivocational, working outside of the church and within the church, is not as easy as I thought it was going to be. And I will say to anybody who's listening, if you know a pastor who, who... works outside of the church, especially in a full-time capacity, and then shows up every Sunday, serves pastors every Sunday, be super thankful for that person because I'll be the first one to tell you it is not an easy road. It is not an easy road. A lot of it has to, you know, part of it is you're, you're constantly questioning yourself as a pastor. Am I doing all that I can for my church? Am I doing all that I can for the youth ministry I'm running? Am I doing all that I can like, I, I know, and especially coming from a full-time position, I know I'm capable of a lot more. Mm-hmm. But, but at the end of the day, you only have so many hours. You only have so many waking hours. You only have so much energy. And, and so I, I will say this. If you have a pastor who's bivocational, or you yourself are a pastor who's bivocational, or if you're someone who's thinking about becoming bivocational, it's totally doable by the grace of God. It's doable. You can do it. But it's going to look different. It's going to look different than full-time for sure. And yeah, so so going from a full time position to a bivocational position, like how did that transition work? How was it? I mean, how is it? I mean, is it still a thing that you're going through four years later? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's so so. Basically, I'll tell you this: when I first transitioned, I was uh, I was doing okay with it. I was able to juggle things, and and it was going okay. And then after after Ezra was born, after I really got behind in a lot of graduate school work, I I began to, for the first time in my life, and only times in my only time in my life at this point uh, that I can really recognize, I actually began to really struggle with being depressed. Um, because I constantly felt in a state of where I I had changed my life in such a way that I just didn't know what I was doing. I 
was leading a family. So I'm a father and a working dad. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I got to lead this family. I, I have a wife. I have two sons. And I feel like maybe I made a mistake. And, and so I say that, and, and anyone from, from Pathway who's listening to this, I don't, I don't want you to think that I have not enjoyed my time at Pathway because I have. It's been a learning process. But at first, I was probably, for, for quite a few months, really battling depression. I think a lot of it had to do with self-doubt. A lot of it had to do with, some, some days I would just stare at the amount of seminary classes that I was going to have to take, and I was like, what did I do? what did I get myself into here? <laughs> and so I think I, what the big thing was is I bit off more than I could chew. And instead of instead of really kind of assessing what I was able to do, I just kind of jumped in 100% on everything right away and then kind of had to remove some things and, and, and trim down. And and I don't I don't know if you've ever done anything like this in your life, Josh, but where you you think you can handle so much, and it's like, yeah, you keep saying, yes, 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 yes. I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And then eventually you get to a point where you're like, oh my gosh, if stress gets any higher in my life, I might just explode. <laughs> like, I just might literally, my body might literally explode. Been there. Now, now what was, now... Looking back on it, do you know what caused most of the stress? Or, like, is if you could go back and change and pick one thing to not do at that time, what would it have been? I think... Other than being a father, because that kind of was a requirement. Yeah, I think first what I would have done is I would have taken a longer time to make the decision. So what happened is all this decision-making process panned out really over the course of like two months, which might seem like a long time for, for some people, but when you're thinking about a total career change, not necessarily career change, but kind of flip-flopping how you do your life in, in the fact that it wasn't 100% necessary, it could have taken more time. And it wasn't a decision I needed to make when I when I made it. It was just my wife and I were like, this seems like a good time. And we just kind of rolled with it and we made it work rather than really processing through, hey, is this smart? And that just comes down to ministry in general. Like I think there is there's a fine line between dragging your feet on doing something and jumping into it a little bit too quickly. And I think we might have jumped in a little bit too quickly just because of what was going on in our life and that there probably was a better time to transition than when we did. And I think that that contributed to a lot of the difficulties is because I still had questions and not all of my questions were answered when I transitioned. So I should have had those questions answered. I should have really had a a more concrete plan of how I was going to deal with it and at least tried to, another thing I would have done as well is transitioned into the new jobs the two jobs and and held off a little bit of time on the school I would have added the school later to really figure out how much am I juggling here and then uh add the school in later because basically what ended up happening is I took a semester and a half of classes and then I just had to like drop because I just couldn't handle it anymore 
and had to get some things together in life and then slowly but surely I worked schoolwork back into life and so basically anyone who's listening to this is probably like yeah dude you, you're a total bozo you bit off way more than you could chew but you have to remember um, I'm someone who I consider myself to have a decently high work capacity with no sleep and I, I, I don't get much sleep. <laughs> no, you don't. I have no idea how you function with the little amount of sleep that you get. So I, I have a high work capacity. However, I think there that I, I was also being a little bit too ambitious, too ambitious, and too proud, and and, and too proud to admit that I couldn't do it all. There was a sense. There was a sense very early on that like hey you know you're doing all this stuff you're doing ministry part-time which ministry part-time at minimum is like 15 hours a week like it doesn't matter how much you're getting paid you you can't really do less than 15 hours a week and legitimately lead ministries because you're gonna have time in preparation you're gonna have time engaging with students you're gonna have time in meetings you're gonna have time in training you're just gonna have a lot to do so you're talking about minimum 15 hours and then working 40 hours outside uh, of the of the church and, and fortunately what's been nice about the, you know working at pathway they've allowed me to do basically all of my work outside of being present at youth group and leading that every week from home so i haven't really had to go in for office hours or anything like that which has been nice however it's still time i have to put in and it's got to come in somewhere mm-hmm. so it leads to a lot of late nights and <laughs> early mornings lots of coffee <laughs> lots i uh, really enjoy coffee these days <laughs> um but but i achieved a balance and I achieved the balance and it was right around the time that we started this podcast and I have no idea how we've pulled it off Josh but in the midst of starting this podcast and the blog and all that stuff I've been able to keep the balance I don't know how and I think it just has to do with better scheduling that's something that I have learned that if you're gonna be bivocational if you're going to have to juggle a lot of things you have to be scheduled and you have to be willing to, to just say this is what I can do and this is what I can't do mm-hmm. so so, so going off of that, what are some of the pros about being bivocational? I think some of the pros are uh, one of the big things is, and I understand, like everyone has their own views on money stuff in church and salaries and pastors and what they should make, how much they should make. Uh, I think one benefit is of being bivocational or, or even solely independent of the church is you can kind of write your own destiny as far as the the salary you take based on working outside of the church. It's sometimes hard. It's really hard as a pastor to really look at your own financial situation being like, hey, I need a raise. And it's really hard to do that because most people in churches around the country are, are giving what they can in, in really trying to do so with a generous heart and really trying to do so because they believe in a ministry. And it's really hard to be like, hey guys, I I need people to give more so that I can take a raise. So it does give you that financial freedom to be able to say like, okay, this this job doesn't pay me enough. I can negotiate on a business level or I can get another job somewhere else. And it gives you that financial freedom without having to tie the hands of the church because any type of raise that a pastor takes, it takes away from other things the church can be using mm-hmm. that, mini- that money for. And so I think that's that's a big benefit. I think another benefit too is as a person, it allows you to really relate with your congregation because most people in your congregation, most people come to church are doing exactly what you do every day. Mm -hmm. They wake up, they go to work, they work a job. They may like it. They may not. They have good days. They have bad days. They, they wish they were doing other things. It's, it's very, very 
uh, relatable. And I'll say this. I worked full-time in a church for about two and a half years, and it's not the same experience. It's not the same experience, and, and maybe some pastors would disagree with me on that, but as, a, as someone in ministry, you have a highly flexible schedule. You have a highly flexible schedule. Now, it is stressful. It is very stressful, but your schedule is very flexible. Mm-hmm. It is very flexible. Right now, I don't have a flexible schedule. I have to be there at 7.30, and I clock out at 4. That is, that is the flexibility. Mm-hmm. Hey, you can come in a few minutes early if you want, and you can leave a few minutes late if you want. That's your flexibility, right? But between 7.30 and 4, you are there. You are working. Right. And, and you got sick days. You got vacation days. That's your flexibility. Whereas in ministry, it's a lot more flexible. It's like, okay, you can, you can work four tens if you want. You could work, you know, if you want to work three twelves or whatever, whatever you want to do, you can do it and, and work out your schedule. The church is going to trust that you're working. The church is going to see your work. They're going to see, they're going to see the, uh, the fruit of your labor. And so it's flexible. And, and I think where uh, bivocational is, is good though, is even though you sacrifice the flexibility, what you gain is relatability. You gain the ability to really be able, and even when you're speaking and preaching, using stories from from work or interaction with people every day, and people can relate to it a lot because it's like, hey, this is the same stuff I'm doing every day. And and here we got we got Cody talking about uh, an experience he had at his work that's kind of like the experience I had at my work, and then he connects it to the Bible. Wait a minute, that really resonates with me, mm-hmm. and and so I do think that's a benefit, and um. <clears throat> Uh, uh, so, so something I did when I first transitioned was one of my first projects I did. I did a research project on Paul and 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 how he approached ministry and tent making and stuff like that. So, so I spent a lot of time in First and Second Thessalonians, and, and something that we we learned from from Paul in those passages is like he labored while he was ministering to the Thessalonians, he set an example of someone who's, I'm going to work. I'm not going to ask this church to provide my salary or for my needs. He worked and he labored and he gave a good example of what labor was. And and so uh, something too is that it also helped me form a philosophy of work. Here in 2 Thessalonians um, 3, uh, 13, it says here, as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him that he may be. Oh my goodness, I'm, re- I'm reading the wrong passage. I, oh I meant goodness. eleven. I meant Second Thessalonians three eleven. I'm sorry. What were you in? I was in Second Thessalonians. I was just in the wrong. I was in the wrong verse. Okay. <clears throat> so here we go. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. So, so it's this concept of, of encouraging people to do work and not live off the church. Now, I understand that when it comes to a pastor, this is a different equation, but there were people back in this day who were just taking advantage of the fact the church was communal, they were sharing resources, and they were showing up to the church and taking all the church's resources, but they weren't doing the work. And I think there's a certain amount of respectability and um, and and relatability that occurs when when you, the pastor, you're you're doing your work, you're contributing, you're doing everything you can, and you're showing up and you're serving. And I think what it does is it sets a really good example for your congregation. Hey, when we call you and we're saying like, hey guys, you got to get involved in ministry, you have no excuses because guess what, the pastor's doing it too, mm-hmm. and. And I think that's where it sets a good example of like, 
people who give you the excuse of, well, I don't have enough time. I, I can't do that. I can't fit that in my schedule. And it's like, okay, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. But, hey, you know, I've worked 40 hours a week, too, and i got to put in time here. Mm-hmm. It, it works. And I'm, I've never gotten in arguments with those people, but I think when you give the example, they don't even bring up the issue. Right. Right. So so if that's the case, and what are the cons of being bivocational? Because if you're, if you're setting an example, if you're being relatable, if, you, if you're able to not be a, as much of a financial burden on the church, what are the, what are the cons of doing ministry essentially part-time yeah i think i think it is just um most people who are involved in ministry in some capacity are are visionaries they have hopes they have they have desires they have what they feel god's called them to and it becomes really hard to strategize to to make a good strategy of your vision when you're part-time because a lot of times your your visions are bigger than what you can accomplish. Now, this isn't to put God in a box or anything, but when you only have finite amount of time and resources to be able to do something, there's only so much you're going to be able to do. We're still humans. We're trying to do the work of God, but we're still humans. And so so I think that's that's a con is if you're bivocational and you're a pastor, you, you doesn't mean you have any less of a vision for your church but it makes it a whole lot harder to get there makes it a whole lot harder to to make things happen the way you want to to happen and uh i that's something i've struggled with because because personally josh you know me i'll throw out crazy ideas i just i just throw out just nuts ideas and he does it all the time and, and i like they're in my mind they're totally accomplishable but i'm sure most people i talk to are probably thinking me like dude you're crazy cody like there's no way we'd never be able to do it and and so that that's hard for me because a lot of times what i want to do is not what i'm able to do and so that's a con for me and and i don't i'm not going to sit here and try and put a positive spin on that other than the fact is it does kind of necessitate more teamwork and and developing a good team and and i see in our youth ministry that i think right now we have a pretty good thing going and a big part of that is because we have a team who's doing work you know we got a team full of people who are all contributing and and that's been really cool so yeah and i would say like i'd say another con of, of bivocational as well is that and is it does cause stress it causes stress now full-time ministry is stressful but part-time and bivocational ministry causes a lot of stress as well because you're juggling you have to really manage your family time i'll tell you what it's really painful when your kids come up to you and tell you like dad are we going to be able to play this game or watch this movie or go outside or do this tonight and you got to tell them like oh i'm sorry buddy i i gotta be at church tonight and they're like but you've been at work all day and it's like i know (laughs) i know and and it's tough because because what you're what you're doing with bivocational ministry as well is you're taking you're taking on stuff for the sake of the church that would if you just dropped it be your free time and and I'm not saying that that 
it's you know that free time is necessary but in reality you know it is it's it's something you do give up and you really have to be scheduled you really have to be planned and that's something that Josh you know me I'm not great at I'm not a great scheduler I'm not a great planner but I had to become better at it for my family's sake especially with my life um and and I would say lastly um what I would consider to be a con about it as well is that eventually you have to decide and you're constantly wrestling with how much longer can I do this um for me I made the decision to just be faithful and it's tough because a lot of days I'm like man I just wish I had one full-time job I just want I just want one full-time job and and I when I when we came back here to, to Strongsville to Pathway I really felt like this where where God wanted me to be and God made an opportunity for me to be here and God made an opportunity for my family to be here it just all of all of the dominoes fell right you kind of know how it went when I came here every it just was like dumb luck right I got the job where I got because I had a conversation with an old friend and bam you know I got a job and I was able to come back to the church I'm at because I had a conversation bam you know you're involved in a, in a church like it's it all happened very quickly anyone who knows anything about church staffing or hiring or anything like that it never happens quickly like it never happens quickly it takes forever and so the fact that it happened as fast as it did, at the time in life that it happened, it gave an opportunity for us to be close to my family and for them to like experience the birth of, of my younger two children. It was really good. And so, you know, you do have to wrestle with how how much longer can I do it? How much longer can I take it? And, and this is what I'll say. Being faithful to your church is a good thing. It, it is a totally good thing. But you do have to answer to God for are you able to do it and able to minister to your family as well? And, you know, in order for me to continue to do what I'm doing, my wife was very clear with me. You got to figure it out. You got to make it work here. We need to feel like a priority. We need to feel like we're first. And I've had to put in a lot of effort to do that because I wasn't always great at it. <clears throat> I already mentioned my time management mm-hmm. issues. And, and I got better at it. And right now I'm doing pretty good at it. And so uh, you do have to think about at any given moment, you might not be able to handle it anymore. And if it means failing your family, you got to change. And and that even goes for full-time guys as well. And it's tough because you you can feel like a failure if you do that. You can feel like you failed. You can feel like you gave up. You can feel like it didn't go the way you thought it was going to. Even transitioning from full-time to bivocational, there were times where I thought like, man, dude, I really screwed this up. And that's just not true. I, you know, God, God worked all this out and things have gone really well. And I've been faithful to, to where I've been at my job, at the church, to my family. And, and when you, you try to get the ducks in a row and as long as you make the right priorities the right priorities it seems to go okay but you have to be willing to say there are things that matter more than my position at a church i I think ministering at a church serving at a church it's it's hands down it's something that we should do with our families 
with um, with faithfulness, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to take on the burden of being a pastor or a staff member because it is a burden. It is burdensome and it is stressful. And there's things that go into it that are tough. You know, it, you know, there are some days where I'm like, man, I just I wish I didn't have to go to this meeting because I'm gonna find out things that I just wish I didn't know mm-hmm. about people and things that are going on in the church that it's like, man, I really wish this wasn't happening. But that's part of it, and. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that adds a certain amount of stress in your life. And, and these are all things that you take on when you enter into ministry. And if you can't handle it, if you can't take it, if it's too much, it's okay to say it's too much. And I think pastors, because, and we, we alluded to this on the last podcast, there are ego issues mm-hmm. with pastors. Yes. Um, and, and this is kind of a tangent at this point, but... <laughs> I'll be the first one to tell you, pastors have egos, guys. Pastors are human beings, and they have egos, and they have issues, and they are flawed. And and if pastors are listening to this, and you don't agree with me on this, I, I would be willing to have a conversation with you about it. But it does take a certain individual to be able to lead a congregation of people in worshiping God. Well, when you put it that way... <laughs> And to be honest, it is really scary. It's really scary, you know. It's, uh, but, but I think that's where you know, when you see humble pastors, when you see you see people who are really trying to be team oriented, people who are really trying to be bo- church body oriented, there there is that reality of it. But also, another thing about being bivocational, it it really puts that ego into check because you can't do it all. Mm-hmm. In a full-time position, you can really spoon-feed the church and kind of take care of everything because you have the time to do it. And in some ways, they expect you to do it. But when you don't have the time to do it, it's mm-hmm. like, no, nah, guys, we got we need hands and feet. I've only got this many hours at the end of the week, and this is what I can do. And you guys want me to preach on Sunday, so <laughs> <laughs> so we got to work together. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I've got on, on the questions you've asked. Um, okay, so I'm going to ask one last question. Yeah. If if God has taught you anything through this journey so far, other than what you've mentioned, what would it be? I think the biggest thing I've learned in this journey, this bivocational journey, is that ministry is not... Being a, being a pastor is not about a title. It is not about a paycheck. It is not about a salary. My heart towards the church and what I love to do and what I want to do did not change when I became bivocational. However, my position did. Okay. And, and it's even crossed my mind to where, hey, if I ever got to the point of where I didn't have to take a salary from the church, I wouldn't. And I would challenge, I would challenge more pastors to try and think that way, because we can do it. the The truth is, we, you can do it. It's terrifying. It's scary. And the fear of everything falling apart because we don't have full time pastors is there, and it's a reality. But. Um, well, let me ask you this. Yeah. In the when you look at the future of the church and where the church is headed, do you do you see bivocational pastors becoming more and more prevalent within the church? 
I mean, I would say that as times go by, what's happened is, is statistically and based on the information we have is that post-recession, during the recession, giving went way down. Giving went way down for churches. The economy has boosted back up. And we're talking about 10 years post-08 recession now. The economy has boosted back up. Church giving has not gone back up in any type of of like one-to-one capacity it's it's staggered it stayed pretty much down and then with this most recent tax bill tax law that went into effect this past year it's gone down even more it's gone down more and and so i think what needs to be thought about with pastors is begin thinking about begin thinking about what a pastor is begin thinking about what god's called pastors to be study the life of paul study the life of jesus study the life of the disciples study the life of the leaders within scripture and to be willing, if you feel called to be a pastor of a church, you might have to do it without taking a paycheck. You, you know, they, they talk on the level of someone who wants to start a business, for example. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to start the business without taking a salary for sometimes a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And now we have families, we've got people we have to provide for all of that stuff so so you're talking about uh taking a big risk in, in like established churches and all these things um they have the resources to be able to pay a pastor um but i i definitely see bivocational having to be more and more of a necessity i think amongst um the millennial generation because we're just not as good with money as our parents were um and I say that there, there's information out there that says millennials are decent with money, but it also shows that um, we spend in, more. We spend <clears throat> more. We're in more debt. We're in- yeah, yeah. We don't value we don't value saving and investing as much as our parents did. Uh, we but know we about save it. more. We save more, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah, and. But we also we also were pretty big spenders. I mean, look at the amount of millennials who who have iPhones and Apple devices who really can't afford them. Like I'm I'm one of them, right? I've got an iPhone, and it's like, man, when you really think about how much this thing costs, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's just not not great when it comes to decision making. Like like if if you would have told my parents, um, you know, 15 years ago or 13 years ago when I got my first phone that, hey, to get your kid a phone, it was going to cost 800 bucks. They'd be like, no way. Now it's like, oh, yeah, cool. We'll get them one of these smart devices. No problem. Right. It's Let's it's not just, get into the smartwatch, smart it's device. Just the, oh, man. Dude, I, smart watches, <laughs> Apple watches, if you have one, great. Uh, convince me why they're necessary. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> watches are obsolete right like no one wears them anymore outside what are you talking about i wear a watch stop it stop it stop it <laughs> listen to me it's a fashion piece at you know because because we have the we have the ability we have the time with us all the time on our cell phone and so then apple makes a watch and all of a sudden watches are cool again oh my it's goodness. like apple makes a watch all of a sudden they're cool again and, and i mean everyone's gonna i don't imitate. know where you've been living but i've always want like as 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 long as i've been old enough to wear a watch I think I've had a watch. I like watches, man. I I remember the first thing I bought with my lawn mowing money when I was in like seventh grade was, was a fossil Cassian? watch, man. I've watched a fossil watch, dude. It was sweet. I think watches are, are cool fashion pieces, but but 
as far as necessity goes, I mean, cell phones have killed the watch until Apple makes a watch. And it's like, hey, you know what? Here's another really expensive device that we're going to sell you. And it doesn't really do much, but it sure costs a lot. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We are such on a tangent right now. We're How do we get on watches? Sure. I don't know. Uh, money, which got us. Into- Basically, if you're a pastor, I mean, it's probably not smart to buy an Apple watch. Yeah, probably not. It's probably too expensive. <laughs> I'm thinking about how much one of those things costs and how much I make, and I'm just like, oh, it's anyway, crazy. Um, so so you see bivocational pastor becoming more and more, more and more in number when it comes to the future in the church. Oh yeah, I think so. Especially if if current church trends continue, because because a lot of a lot of what the the outreach focus of the churches is actually the the big mega church type of idea is really not all that popular amongst our generation of Christians. Most most people our age are looking for like, hey, we're looking for a, a smaller group of people who we can get to know, who we can do life with, who we we can ask questions to, we can get to know the pastor. That's kind of more of what the millennial generation is looking for. And you're talking about small churches. You're talking about um you know, small budgets. And <clears throat> at the end of the day, you also have to ask, ask the question of if you're wanting to start a church, do you have the capacity as a pastor to find your salary elsewhere? I mean, you know, I I think it's a question every pastor should at least ask themselves for the sake of your church. Like, it, it's, it's something that I process through, even when I was doing this full time, is like, am I worth what the church is paying me? Like, cause they they are paying me, and I understand you can use the, the argument like it's God's money and all that stuff, and yes, that's true. But still, at the end of the day, you know, your your deacons are or elders, they're the ones who are stewarding God's money. I mean, it's it's all at, you, you got to answer, mm-hmm. and and you do have to ask that question. And if you can, and you can lead a congregation, and you can lead a church well, I mean, it's not a bad thing to do mm-hmm. as long as you're not killing yourself over it. Yeah, because <clears> we've we, I mean, we've had the conversation about how. Like, especially in a smaller church, a pastor's salary can be a huge chunk of the budget. Yeah, and and like I've got some ideas on uh, on how pastors can get income mm-hmm. uh, for for themselves outside of of the ministry and still do ministry. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say what all those are because I'm gonna I'm gonna be launching something here soon that will hopefully <laughs> exemplify that. Um, but I think I think the other thing too that comes along with employing somebody is. If if they're full time, you're you're incurring health insurance costs. You're incurring they're just the insurance costs, yeah. the taxes, the because you still have to send that. You have to send the payroll taxes, even though churches are not exempt. Their pastors still have to pay their taxes. Yep, and you should be paying your taxes. Yep, <laughs> um, and it's it, it's just one of those things that are like we've talked about, and we very I mean, off off the mics. I mean, we've we've kind of come to the conclusion that bivocational is where it's where the church is going to. Oh yeah. And like smaller facilities, smaller facilities, mobile facilities. Yeah. Is where it's going. Yeah. To. And, 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 and cause just the, there is also the thing too, is if you are going to be a church plant today and, and if you're smart, you're at least thinking about, we live in a culture and a society that really wants churches to start paying their property taxes. Mm-hmm. Like, and Personally, I don't necessarily disagree with that position. I, and please, you know, don't don't think that I'm 
advocating for mm-hmm. this, but I mean, there's a case, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's, there's a sound case. I, I don't believe in the censorship or the quieting of religion, but to say they need to pay property taxes, it, I mean, there's a case. Now that's a good way to quiet religions, but that's, you know, mm-hmm. for a better expert. Um, but you know, you gotta be thinking about that and mm-hmm. getting a church building and property and all of that stuff that goes into it is really, really, really expensive. Mm-hmm. And it might just be smarter to rent a facility, you know? Like right. If, right. Cause you eliminate maintenance, you eliminate just mm-hmm. so many, we, which we could go into a completely different conversation yeah. on just that. And maybe that's something we cover later. Especially with how, especially with how our, culture is beginning to value electronic communication more and more mm-hmm. how much does a church need a permanent space now i think a permanent space is great if you have mm-hmm. a permanent space as a church one thing i will also say use it my mm-hmm. goodness if god has blessed you with a facility find a way to use it like challenge yourself to use it mm-hmm. say like when when you go into your church every day and if you're the pastor and you're the only person there ask yourself why Mm-hmm. Buildings open. Mm-hmm. Why are you the only person there? It's a huge facility. There's plenty of room for other people to do other things. Why are you the only person there? And so, so, so that's another thing I would say too: is church use your facilities. Don't let them just sit dormant and do nothing. Now I understand that the utility costs will go up and all that stuff, but there's an opportunity to right. to reach out to the community. So, any final thoughts as we close up? Just our discussion that we've had today and just your story and what what you've gone through. Uh, basically, the final thought here is just thanking everyone who listened. Um, I did a lot of talking for long, long uh, expositions of, of kind Which of... Which is fine, and that's what I wanted you to do because I wanted to flesh out a little... I wanted you to flesh out just what it means to be a bi- bivocational pastor. Yeah, and, and it, honestly, at the end of the day, I, I wouldn't trade in my experience for anything. It was a rough and rocky road. And the difficulty of it, I would not wish on anybody. I would not wish the difficulty of it on anybody. But God used that experience in my life, having to really learn how to manage, learn how to juggle, learn how to say no, and use that as a way for me to begin to, number one, value the things I should be valuing most. And number two, that, hey, you know, ministry is full of learning experiences that go beyond what you're reading in the Bible. Now, the Bible can give you your foundation on how you should be thinking about something, but God's teaching us stuff every day and learned a lot through the experience. I'm thankful for it. And thank thank you, everyone, who listened and and listened to my long story on this, which actually I could probably talk for a whole other hour, but I won't <laughs> do that to anybody. Okay. Well, for everybody who's been listening, thank you. I think that's a wrap for this week's episode. So I'm going to say have a blessed week. And I don't know what else Cody says. So we'll we'll catch you later on the flip side, okay? <laughs> Good night, everyone. <laughs>